Welcome to this week's edition of the Sword and Staff. I'm your host, Josh Robinson, and joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Richie Brock. And on today's Chinwag edition of the Sword and Staff, Richie and I are going to be whew, having a large, large conversation. Probably, we we've got like five different ideas to talk about on today's episode. Probably uh, going to make it to two. Probably going to make it to two. Yeah, we had talked about. Uh, we're we're definitely going to talk about Midnight Mass, which is a Netflix series, right? We've We've right. had a lot of, lot of listeners ask us to go and to watch Midnight Mass, and we finally did it. Finally uh, finished it up for me, a uh, little late, day before yesterday, but... Yeah. I watched it, uh, it's been a week or so ago now, I think, so I've had some time to kind of simmer on it for a little bit, but we've both finally finished Midnight Mass, and then yesterday, uh, I, I watched the new Matrix film, The Ra- the Matrix Resurrections. And uh, we, you kind of watched the majority of it today. Yeah, you watched like through it today. You watched like the first, pretty much the whole first act. Uh, you watched the majority of the second act, kind of breeze through the, the end of the second and the third act, and then you really watched the fourth act too. And we've got a lot of thoughts about the Matrix Resurrections. We do uh, a lot of thoughts about Midnight Mass too. Yep. So um, if we've got time, uh, I don't know. We talked about maybe talking about Spider Man No Way Ho- No Way Home. We'll probably not get to that. I'll just go ahead and disappoint you guys now. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably not going to get to it today because we've got a lot to say about, uh, especially the Matrix. Yeah. Uh, uh, we talked about wanting to have a conversation on the wise men and Christmas stars and stuff like that. We've probably, we're probably not going to get to that today either. Uh, we just have a ton to talk about. So for those of you who, who told us about Midnight Mass, today's your episode. Today's your day. <laughs> so today's your day. And for all those who did not ask about the Matrix, today's your day too. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> spoiler warnings. If you guys haven't yep. watched the Matrix yet, second half of today's show is going to be about the Matrix. So if you're wanting to watch that still yet, spoiler free, you're going to want to cut it off after our review. Yeah, spoiler of warning for any of it. If yeah. you haven't seen any of it. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to spoil all of it for you. So, um, so yeah, second half of the show though will be about uh, the Matrix. So if you want, if you want to watch it spoiler free, you're gonna have to turn us off after midway through the show. So, all right, Richie. So we'll we'll kind of set I feel up. Like that was us offering the listeners the red pill or the blue pill just then. Oh, we've got a lot of red pills to, <laughs> to drop today. <laughs> um, so yeah. So uh, all right. So we'll start with Midnight Mass and time and to fly. Yeah, time to f- <laughs> time to fly. Uh, we're just going to keep dropping random uh, Matrix <laughs> references throughout the whole show. That's uh, how shook we are by it. Yeah. All right. So I- I'll just kind of start off. We'll just kind of start off this way. What was it you thought about Midnight Mass? What were your thoughts about it? Well, I sort of tried to get uh, a general understanding of it from watching clips before yeah. I actually got to sit down and watch it. And yeah. That was was kind of a mistake because it totally you know, I, throws you off. Yeah, because from the general themes and the symbolism that we talked about, I was able to get sort of the basis of it down. But yeah, a lot of what I watched when I went back and got the full storyline kind of was different from my first impressions there. Yeah, if that was pretty much the same impression <clears throat> that I had. If you watched the the Netflix trailer and it like you got an entirely different vibe from it right, than yeah. the actual show. Um. So that'll kind of take us into the show itself. So the show is really about uh, an island community that's kind of on the margins, right? It's it's off of the the mainland, and uh, it's this island is kind of a it's kind of a mixing pot, right? It's uh it's kind of a place where 
there are various kinds of people here, people of, uh, you know, different uh, ethnic backgrounds and not just that, but even belief systems, right? Like um, the majority of the island there um, belonged to a Catholic parish. Was it St. Patrick's? Catholic. I'm pretty sure it was St. Cat. Uh, Something like that. St. Yeah. Patrick's, I'm pretty sure. Um, it's been a week or two since I've watched it now. So but I'm pretty sure it was St. Patrick's Catholic uh, parish. Um, but there's also some people there who are on the island who are rationalistic, atheistic, yep. right? That's one of the main characters, Riley. Um, and um, but there's also some other folks there too, like the the sheriff in the show. He's a he's a Muslim, right? He's he's a practitioner of Islam. But like it's kind of like this running joke on the island that the island's kind of like a mixing pot, right? Like it's a it's a melting pot, right? Um, and so um, we we're introduced to a character. Um, well, we learn about a character. We're not really introduced to him um, till later on in the show. Um, but it's uh, he's a priest. Um, his name's uh, his. Well, he he has the title of uh, Monsignor. And Monsignor is like a, a priest in the Catholic Church who is like who's been honored and like blessed by the Pope. Basically, it's somebody who's like put in you know, uh, a lot of service and has right. this special kind of, like, title. So his name's like not... Like the papal version of the Medal of Honor, Medal, Medal of Freedom from the President, right. something like that. Yeah, it's something like that. And so his name's not Monsignor uh, Pruitt, but he's that's his title, and his last name's Pruitt. So, you know, his, his Monsignor Pruitt. Um, and he's very old, right? Um, and the church, like, he's... They're kind of helping him out. He's kind of got, like... A, you know, he's declining in his mental faculties, right? And he, can't, he forgets things. And he's, you know, that's what happens whenever you get older, right? Um, he's got like, uh, you know, I don't know if it was like Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or dementia or, you know, maybe all that. I can't exactly remember. Um, but anyway, they, they pay for a trip for him to go and see the Holy Land because, you know, he served them well over his time there. Um, and they're thinking, you know, for the, in the last years of his life, that's something that he would, you know, he needs to go and see. So they buy him a trip, and whenever he, you learn later on in the story that this isn't just some ordinary trip, right? Like it's uh, right, yeah. something really, really interesting happens there. Um, so anyway, um, so he goes out on his trip, and then all of a sudden we're introduced to a new priest. It seems. Um, and uh, you know, young guy. I'm trying to think of what what was what I gotta find his name here real quick. Um, Should have looked at that uh, beforehand. Probably. You remember his name off the top of your head? Let me see. Not off the top of my head, but this is how it goes. This is how it always. This goes. is a chinwag. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, let me see here. Research on the fly. That's how it always goes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So he is... Dang. It's like literally every character but him. <laughs> it would be. It would be. <laughs> Father Paul Hill. There it is. There it is. Father Paul Hill. Uh, so we're introduced to what seems to be a new priest, which is Father Paul Hill, right? And... Um, you learn throughout the show that he's actually keeping a secret, right? And basically the secret is that 
uh, he's actually uh, Monsignor Pruitt. <laughs> yep. um, basically, what happened was this: like he comes back and he's all young and youthful, right? And he's you know he's he's knocking it out with his sermons and you know and he's getting the town all amped up. But you know, not only that, but there's these weird miracles accompanying his ministry, right? Like. You know, uh, a girl who's who's in a wheelchair. She she, you know, he basically calls her. Yeah, he tells her to get up. Yeah, yeah. to get up out of her like, wheelchair. What are you doing? Everybody's like, "What are you doing?" Yep. And you know, to come take the Eucharist, and she does it right. Um, so there's this just he's got the whole town, the whole island kind of fired up, right? And um, we find out that the the reason why is because things aren't quite as they seem. So Monsignor Pruitt. Um, we learn in the show that he's kind of, he goes on his trip and he's just so out of it, right? He's like so old and he's so out of it and he's, he's terrified. Um, he, he actually, uh, as the group is, is on their way doing something, he wanders out on the road of Dam- to Damascus, like the apostle Paul, which is where his name, yeah. father Paul Hill comes from. He takes his name from the apostle Paul. Uh, but he, he wanders out into the desert and uh, there's a sandstorm going on out there, right? And there's, you know, whenever there's sandstorms in the Middle East, it can uncover things that's been buried for a long time, and, and it and buries this, uh, or uncovers like this cave. And he goes down into it to escape from the uh, the sandstorm, and while he's in there, he encounters a <laughs> a, uh, a mythological, uh, you know, cryptozoological. Uh, kind of creature right what was it he, he encounters down there well for i guess you want to call it a vampire i mean that's, yeah he thinks yeah. it's an angel he thinks it's an angel but yeah. yeah like and you see that like depicted like he's looking at it and he sees a halo around its head that's not yeah. really there like he sees the wings and then right he sees yeah. the wings and he kind of interprets it accordingly you know yep. um through his presuppositions and uh but actually we find out that it's a vampire right and it, it attacks him uh, and starts, you know, bites him. And, uh, you know, as it's it's like basically feasting on him, um, he starts to recite the Lord's Prayer. And it's like it stops. And then it... It's like it almost sees its opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And it's like it, it in turn, like, feeds its blood yep. to, to him. And it, like, restores him to youthfulness, right? Yeah, and you can see him going through the categories in his head of... Uh, even the Eucharist and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see himself to give blood and yeah, yeah. You see that he's he's in con, in the confessional booth and he's confessing right, yeah. to to God that he's lied to this congregation about who he is and what's happened, right? Yeah. And but yeah, he's he's related. He, you see him relate it to the Eucharist and uh, like it's just wild, wild connections, right? Just yeah. crazy connections, and um, and so interestingly enough. What's he do? He decides to <laughs> take it back with Box him. Up, uh, Box Dracula up Dracula <laughs> Jr. and take him back home. Box up Dracula Jr. and takes him back to the Fascinating pattern here, though. Yep. This is a, a, a an island that's on the margins, right? And he brings a, a monster from the margins, right? Because, I mean, think about this whole worldview thing, right, that we've been talking about. Like Jerusalem, the temple, you know, all that, Temple Mount, that's the center of the world, right? And then Damascus is out on the margins of right. that. And what's Even he, him wandering away from the group. Yeah, it's, that, the fringe, it's, a, yeah. it's like a microcosm of that, yeah. that pattern. Uh, what's he meet out on the margins? 
a mixed monster, yep. right? A mixture. And what's he do with it? He takes it back to his margin community, his community that's on the margins. And then a bunch of interesting things begin to happen there. Yep. Uh, this is actually the source of the quote unquote uh, miracles, right? And so come to find out what's going on is uh, he's basically mixing the blood of this vampiric monster into the sacrament. And it's uh, like it's aging people backwards like him, right? Um, it's uh, people are being healed, uh, you know, like being able to walk who weren't able to walk. Um, yeah, there's just various kinds of like, uh, then there's also like an anti, anti miracle, um, you know, a woman who is pregnant, who's a parishioner in that parish, she was pregnant and it terminates her pregnancy, yep. you know? So it's kind of like an anti healing. Um, but it's, it's fascinating, right? So anyway, um, so eventually, uh, it seems almost like there's like a little bit of an agenda even with that. Oh, yeah. No, I think that there is. I think that there is for sure. So it's interesting, though, because as the show goes along, those who um, take in this mixture of uh, wine and the vampiric blood, they themselves become mixtures. Right. They yeah. become monsters, right? Um and by and I the love the back and forth with the priest and like in the confessional booth and things like that where he's trying to justify what he's doing yeah, he's with really scripture trying. and yeah. what he knows from his training and Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, he's trying really, really hard to justify it. And um just goes to show you how far people are willing to go to twist the scriptures and, and to justify their experiences. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh really interesting kind of case study honestly yeah uh, one scene i remember in particular is when he introduces the vampire to the congregation dude, like that's he comes in with the robes that's like behold an angel of the lord yeah you know. he was sore afraid you know that yeah. whole thing and trying to get him to rationalize their fear with being like okay every time in scripture when yeah. somebody's coming in contact with an angel saw. this is what they saw this yeah. is the fear that they felt it's okay yeah and oh my goodness that that point like Oh, that that was disturbing, honestly, because like you've seen the thing throughout the show, and yeah. you see it attack people, and you know that kind of thing, and you know it's not an angel, right? And then he he invites it in uh, during the Easter Mass. Uh, it's and so because they've been taking in this mixture into themselves, they're they're turning into vampires, right? And so he can't go out into the daylight, so he's starting to have, and here it is, midnight masses. Yep. Uh, and then he invites it in on Easter and reveals it to the congregation. And then it, it's like they become like, it's like this cult, basically, right. you know? Like this uh, hysteria leads to cultic type of behavior, and they all start drinking poison so that they can die. And, uh, you know, they intake the, the whole, you know, uh, vampiric uh, mixture. Uh, and then they come back as mixtures themselves, vampires, right? Um and, then, and it's interesting to watch the vampire sort of 
like take on that divine aspect that it's been given. Oh, like, see it, it in comes the in just with his hands out, yeah, kind of in his vestments. See yeah. it in the vestments. Yeah. Oh my goodness, it was it was disturbing. Honestly, I, I was... like the just the sinister kind of aspect mm. behind that. Like he's using that wolf to and on the town. Cl- wolf exactly, and, wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. Um, was that's an image that was hard to get out of my mind. Honestly, like it, it was, it's disturbing. And uh, so anyway, uh, you know. Basically, to make a long story short, uh, the majority of the island dies, right? Uh, you know, they've got this whole plan to where they're going to spread out from there, from the margins, and they're going to flow in, flood into the mainland, and you know, just kind of you know take over that, you know, set everybody free there, you know, that kind of thing, and show, share this miraculous thing with them, right? And it doesn't happen. And you know, long story short, uh, that's that's the end of the vampires. You yeah, know? even like. Uh... Monsignor getting lost out in the desert and finding that thing. It, it reminds me of Jesus in the wilderness. Yeah. Yeah. And the temptations by Satan. and Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I can totally see that parallel there. And it's like he, uh, it's like he gives in, you yeah. know, and it's, it's the opposite. So, okay. So here's kind of my thoughts on the whole show. So that's kind of a, a rough thousand you know, 10,000 foot, you know, view of the retelling of it. You know, some of the big parts, we left out some of the, the other big parts of the show. We we're just kind of mainly connecting in this mixture monster part, you know, for our purposes, you know, we didn't even really touch on the story. I mean, but of, it comes full circle. They realize what a mistake it actually yeah, was. And they how, do. Yeah. 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 We didn't really talk about Riley and his story and, you know, that kind of stuff. But, but anyway, um, that's, you know, that's on purpose. So here's my thoughts. My thoughts on this show is basically this show is a, uh, a, a artistic rendition of what happens when the margins inf- come into the center and infect the center. Disguised right? as something good and yeah. holy and pure. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's the entire thing there as well about just. And honestly, it reminds me of like these uh, these groups you see now, these radical groups and leftist groups, how they would even try to squ- twist scripture and what the Bible yeah. says about things to even support their views. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, you know, that's why they call those those types of movement fringe movements. Right, yeah. You know, movements that are on the fringe, on yeah. the margin, right? Because what happens is if they get become mainstream, they infect the center, right? Um, right. And so... That's really what I think the whole the symbolism of the show is. It's it's what happens at the edge of the world. It's like it's uh it's a lot like you know Jonathan Pajot's uh, cosmic uh, image, right? Like you start here at the center of the world with the tree, and you've got unity, right? And the further out you move from there, you've got unity with God too. The further out you move to the margins of the world, that's where you run into the monsters and the chaotic right. waters and you know, all that. And, uh, it reminded me a lot of the whole, you know, sons of God, Nephilim, uh, you know, event in scripture, that kind of pattern. Like you're at the edge of the world, right? You've left the garden, you know, we're with God and you've come out into the margins and to the fringes. And what is it that they are on the fringes? You've got the sons of God, these mixtures, these monsters, right? And it's the same type of pattern in this. You have this son, son of God, who comes in to the margins and what do you get there? It's, it's mixtures. It's monster making, right? Like I was able to pick that up right off the bat yeah. that this is where the show was going. Yeah. I, I, I remember posting 
in the sword and staff group i don't even remember what it said now i'd have to go back and find it i don't think i got the time to go and find it but um yeah, we've got a lot of posts in there now at this point. Yeah, is it where you were calling it from the beginning? Calling like, it from the beginning. Yeah. I was like, this is going to be Monsters at the Edge of the World. It's like and Monsters monster, in the Margins and Monsters things like in that. the Margins, yeah. like mixtures, uh, monster creation even, I think I said. Yeah. And uh, called it right from the beginning. I can totally see where it was going. If you can get that pattern, you know, that kind of cosmic image that you see, uh, yeah. you know, you can you can totally get that. but. That's kind of my thoughts on it. Is it, it's kind of, it's a symbolic playing out of that pattern, you know, the monsters at the edge of the world kind of thing. But you know, more than that, it's also kind of a tale of um, radical, radical uh, religiosity, I guess, um, fringe type, you know, movements, that type of thing, and the danger of that. Um, you know, if you allow what's on the fringes into the center, um, it can infect the center and it can right. cause a lot of damage, right? And and also hints at the the temptations and the fascinations with the margins and the things that goes on there and the dangers of bringing that yeah. into the center, yeah, and what it can do, yeah, which which is really uh, interesting, especially with our time where the margins are trying to be made the center, and I'm right. sure that that's not what that was. Uh, it reminds me of the article I saw on Facebook the other day of, I think it was uh, C.R. Wiley that shared the, the article about the, the drag queen being brought into the... Yeah, yeah into the Methodist church, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, that's a perfect picture. Yeah. That is a perfect picture of the margins infecting the center, right? The church is at the, the temple, right, is at and the center of the And teaching the children, so that, yeah, it's that influence moving, flowing down. Yep. That's exactly right. You, you have multiplicity coming in. To make more multiplicity, right? right? Yep. It, it's that kind of thing. That is a perfect, perfect picture of what's going on here. You have that, and, and think about that. That's a mixture. It is. Right? I mean, I'm, right. I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. <laughs> like, we're going to get in trouble for saying this. That is a mixture. Like, that is, uh, that is a monstrosity. That is a chaos monster. That is a chaos monster. You have a male, biologically, who is pretending to be a female and is dressing in drag. That's a mixture, right. right? That's a mixture of of the that's a rejection of biological norms and that's a rejection of the binary, right. yeah, and, which is going to come up later. Yep, it's uh, <laughs> a rejection of the binary, and you're making the two uh, become one, and that's a mixture. It's it's rela- like it can't be. It's it's related to the Nephilim, right? right? Which are also a mixture of sons of God and daughters of men. It doesn't even matter if you believe in the whole. You know, angels coming from the the margins, things. It doesn't matter because even if you hold to the other view of that and believe that it's a uh, the Sethite interpretation of it, right? Which it's a you know the, they're the sons of God, and then the daughters of Cain or the the daughters of men. That's still a, a mixture that's forbidden, even right. if you hold to that. So symbolically, right. that still yet holds, and that's exactly what you have going on in our culture right now. It is basically a picture of the margins coming in and infecting the center. And it's like flipping the world around, right? right. It's like inverting the world. Uh, it's like it's like clown world, right? Like have you ever seen like the the Peppy the pig yeah. meme? He's on the ball. He's spinning the world, right? And it's upside down. That's what it's like, right? Um, it's I know that the guy probably didn't make it to be a picture of that, but symbolically, it's it's just there, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, but it's interesting because. Um, you see in that show what happens when you let the margins right. in. Especially the dangers of it getting into the church. Yeah. I mean, the church being the salt and the light uh, to preserve and purify the earth. And yeah. 
then you get these chaos monsters infecting that kind of inner core. You know, I think that, flow from that. I think that he was using it to subvert radical religiosity. Right. You can definitely tell that. Yeah, you can definitely tell that. And, you know, it kind of even makes like the outsider, like the, the Muslim guy, the hero. Yep. Right? It kind of makes him the hero. Like he's the sane one. Um, you know, he's kind of pictured as a as a victim as well, right, of this uh, religiosity, that kind of thing. Right. But the interesting thing is I think that it actually, he kind of subverts his I mean, own... it, it, they make it a point to make the Monsignor look like a lunatic. Like yeah. he's trying to use his, uh, viewing everything through his lens of faith to the point of it's almost insanity. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but the interesting thing is, is I actually think that that pattern subverts what he's trying to do. You know right. what I mean? Like, uh, like in our culture, the margins, uh, that's, I mean, think about the term coming out of the closet. Right. Where's I mean, the closet I can tell the, the, the makers of that show were trying to use uh, the picture of the priest kind of justifying just monstrosity with his faith and yeah. just evil through the lens of his faith. And that yeah. was definitely an attack on Christianity there. For sure. For sure. Um but so it's interesting though, because the like if you if you see that pattern, you're like, okay, like letting the margins into the center, that's bad. You shouldn't do that. If you do that, if you apply that same pattern to our culture, then it subverts the entire thing that he's doing because the margins in our in our culture uh, is this entire agenda that you see out there, right? This mixed agenda where we have just a bunch of letters shoved together. To form a word that's not even a word, LGBTQ plus yeah. whatever. The, the plus I mean? on the end it goes on forever. Whatever they and want to add to it. And then you've got this symbol, yeah. which is a mixture of colors, right? It's multiplicity, um, you know that kind of thing. Uh, it's just really, really fascinating. So if you take that principle and say, "Hey, we shouldn't let the margins uh, infect the center," then <laughs> you know you end up with the opposite kind of of, of what's going on there. So anyway, uh, I've got a lot more that I could say about that, but. That's probably about all I'll say for now, I guess. To keep us out of the out of the the fire there, I think that should be all we say. We're already about thirty minutes on on just that. So I mean, there's a lot more that I could say about that, but uh, you know, I know that probably what we said to a lot of people here is probably going to be foreign. You know, with the whole you know uh, Cosmic Mountain and Jonathan Peugeot and his work that he's done, and you know that kind of thing. Uh, you know, another imagery that you could use to understand this that's not as complicated, I think, comes from Jack Donovan. Which is the the fire, the campfire, right? Right. So think about a campfire, right? Campfire, and you're out in the darkness, okay? The campfire. The wilderness, the, the wildlife. Wi- that's the, right. That's yeah, right. All around you. So think about what happens whenever you have a campfire. What's it do? Well, it gives you a center point. It gives you warmth. It gives you safety, right? As long as you stay within that vicinity of the fire, right, what's it do? You have light. Yep, a focal point of light, point. warmth, and the known. The That's same. right, the known order, right? Right. Everything that is in that fire's uh, perimeter is ordered. Right? Seen and known. Seen, yep. known. But what lies outside of that? What lies outside of the perimeter? The dangers of the unseen, the, the dangers unknown. dangers of the yep. unseen, chaos, right? Darkness. That's the same pattern. You can take that same pattern and apply it to this show. Right. right. Um, <clears throat> you have this culture that's outside of the perimeter, right? It's outside of the mainland. 
and what's out what what's outside on the perimeter chaos right and you bring in an agent of chaos from you know the perimeter you know this this vampire and what's it going to create it's going to create more chaos it's going to create more darkness and it's going to create mixtures right because that's what's that's what's on the edge of the world there right there's the just giants and nephilim and all those types of things. Anyway. Donkey centaurs. Donkey centaurs. <laughs> donkey centaurs. Um, that's exactly right. Uh, we've got a lot that we can say about that. But maybe, yeah. you know, yeah, if you if you don't understand what we're saying, maybe we'll do an episode on that sometime and lay that out a little bit more. Just kind of that whole ancient worldview kind of deal. And we can definitely join the Sword and Staff Facebook group. We can drop some links to yeah. Jonathan Peugeot and yeah, Jack, things some in of, there. Yeah, yeah, some of that work too. Um, yeah. So if you want some more on that and like – but honestly, if you can get that pattern down, you can interpret right. this and see what's going on. So, and that's probably not a review that most people's going to hear about the show. It's like this is a, a picture of what happens when the margins infect the center. And right, you know. So, all right. So now the next segment, and this is the one that I think is going to be the funnest, honestly, because um, it's fresh. The most infuriating, you mean? Like, <sighs> I am furious. The Matrix Resurrections. I really wish that I would have taken the blue pill <laughs> whatever it came, <laughs> when it came to this movie. I wish that I would have stayed. Honestly, the traditional blue pill is a lot safer than this new red pill the movie presents. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, yeah, it actually is. It really try. I'd say at the core, that's really what this movie is about, is subverting and taking back the red pill. Right. <laughs> you know? Um, you know, the red pill has, because of the Matrix, the original trilogy, has been a symbol of uh, stepping out of uh, what's a lie into what's true, right? And this movie flips that on its head. Um, it tries to subvert that. And we'll get into how it tries to subvert it, but before we do that, we probably need to get into some background on just the whole Matrix trilogy prior to this one. Uh, so that people kind of understand what's what the trilogy is. All right, is let's go the, for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, originally you had The Matrix in the 90s, which was like a revolutionary movie. Yeah. Right? It, it revolutionized action movies. It really revolutionized everything. Um, how movies were shot. I mean, you've got Neo. He's like, oh, you know, he's doing the whole dodging the bullets thing. Yeah, coming on the on the heels of uh, your Y2K and the sort of fears of, yeah. like, technology Tech. takeover and – Things like that. Yeah, yeah. Very timely. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, so, you know, after that, you get the Matrix. Uh, you know, it ends with Revolutions. You've got the Matrix Reloaded, then the Matrix Revolutions. And, you know, Neo's the one, you know, that whole thing. But I, I don't really want to touch it from that perspective. I want to kind of step outside of it and look at it from a philosophical perspective. Um, really, what's going on with the Matrix is it is... It's basically an inversion of Plato's cave. Uh, really, at its core, that's, that's really what it is. And so, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Plato's cave, um, I'll kind of give you that metaphor, and I'll butcher it for you a little bit. <laughs> Josh is going to attempt it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Plato's cave is basically an allegory for um, what it was like for him to be uh, a philosopher, and, and kind of what philosophers deal with as a whole. Okay, whenever they're trying to educate the general public. So in Plato's allegory of the cave, you basically have this group of people who are imprisoned and have been in this cave since birth. They don't know anything else other than the cave. Right? And behind them is uh, a fire. 
right? And they're they're chained up around their neck and their legs, and they can they're forced to just look at this wall in front of them. Okay, um, but uh, behind them there is a fire and people who have like puppets, right? And it projects shadows onto the wall. So that's all that they know. Very much like growing up in a, an enclosed society like North Korea or a communist regime. Kind of, yeah. they grow up in sort of in the iron cl- clutches of that, of that regime, not knowing anything else but what's being presented by the party. Yep. Yeah, very similar. Um, so, you know, all they know is what they see projected on the wall for them. And so one day what happens is one of these men get free and he escapes the cave. And to his surprise, he finds out that there's an entire world outside of the cave. Like he walks out of the cave and for the first time he can, he can barely open his eyes. It's like he's never used them before, right? He sees the sun for the first time. But then he goes out and over time his eyes begin to adjust and he goes from seeing the, the shadows and the things that he used to see to, to seeing reality in its wholeness. And he, he sees forms there that he saw in the cave. That he saw in part in the cave he with the shadow. saw in part in right. the cave with the shadow, right? He sees trees. But they're much fuller than what they were in the shadows, right? They've got color and, you know, all of that. And he sees water and, you know, he sees, uh, you know, he ascends, basically, this mountain to where, you know, he's... Yep. Coming out of the cave to see the, the picture in full. Yeah, to see the picture in full. It's kind of like a picture of enlightenment, in, you know, in some ways. Um, and so anyway, what he does is after experiencing and seeing the world as it is, he goes back down to tell the others about it and to set them free from being slaves in this false world. Well, you know, not really a false world, but uh, to see they can also experience reality as it was meant to be experienced. Right. Okay. That's really what the matrix is about. That story right there is the presentation of the red pill and the blue pill in yeah. the matrix. Yeah, pretty much to take the blue pill is to stay in the cave, to stay in the cave, right. to stay in the matrix. To take the red pill is to step outside of the cave or out of the matrix into the real world. But the interesting thing is the matrix is really an inversion of that. You know what I'm saying? So like Neo is given the opportunity to take the red pill or the blue pill. What's he take? Takes the red pill. But instead of ascending, what's he do? He goes down the rabbit hole. Down the rabbit hole, yeah. He goes down the rabbit hole and he goes out into the waters, right? And it's kind of like this he's dying in the waters, right? He's drowning before the Nebuchadnezzar comes and picks him up. It's kind of like baptism in some ways. Um, but anyway, so he's he's that and then what is it? He's he's brought into the ship and he's like, you know, I can barely open my eyes. I can't see anything. And he's like, Morpheus is like, it's because you've never actually used your eyes before. It's exactly a reference to Plato's cave. Right. Um and so, yeah, so that's kind of an overview of what this film series is dealing with. Now, the second and the third films, uh, they're dealing with some more uh, Eastern philosophy stuff, you know, that kind of thing. But um, the first movie is really dealing with uh, Plato's Cave, really. Um, really. I mean, the whole film series is, in some way, dealing with Plato's Cave. But anyway, now this third movie, though, well, first, before we go to the third movie, mm. I want to say some things about this. First off, I, I want to say I really like the idea of it dealing with Plato's cave. Um, 
I think that there is a a grain of truth there. You know what I mean? Um, so, for example, I'm a Christian Platonist, as most Christians were uh, throughout history. Um, as most Christians probably should be. Yeah, and as yeah. most Christians probably should be. St. Augustine was a Christian Platonist. Right. Thomas Aquinas, even though he was Aristotelian, was very influenced by St. Augustine and Christian Platonism, and it's, as was Aristotle. Aristotle, you know, was a student of Plato. Um, you know, all throughout the great tradition, you see that most Christians were Christian Platonists. And basically what that means is that they believed uh, in that there is something more than this material world. Okay? Like right now, like you and I are sitting here in this office. i got to scoot back in the frame here. <laughs> um, we're sitting here in the office, and there's, there are forms here, right? There is a de- the form of desk here in front of us. There are the form of bookshelves here behind us. There are the form of books on that, right? But Books being an understatement. You mean a, a pretty much a library? Yeah, right. Um, and so these forms, there's more to the world, though, than just what's in front of us. Right. Right? There is a world outside of this world, um, and that is the world of, of uh, you know, in Plato's thought, it's called, you know, the, the world of, of ideas, Right, um, or you, it's kind of like the world of the archetype or Platonic ideals. Um, we believe that these ideals are in the mind of God; um, they exist in God, and so, um, so anyway, so I like that. Like now, the difference is though is like we're not Christian Platonism was also critical of Platonism uh, as a, as well. Like it took parts of it, but didn't accept all of it. Um, so, for example, like we're not dualistic in the sense that like we believe that matter is evil and that we need to escape matter, right? right? Oh, and that the spiritual is good, right? God created the material, um, but there is a world outside of it as well. Um, so, anyway, um, now I'm not the only person um, who has said those things. There are other Christians out there, some of whom you guys probably know who are also Christian Platonists. Um, one of them was uh, C.S. Lewis, and he actually works this into the Chronicles of Narnia, particularly uh, the last battle uh, with a character named Diggory Kirk, and he talks about this uh, Platonism. So it's fascinating. So listen to what he says there. I've got it here in front of me. So it says, this is uh, Professor uh, Diggory Kirk talking to Peter. He says, listen, Peter. When Aslan said you could never go back to Narnia, he meant the Narnia that you were thinking of. But that was not the real Narnia. That had a beginning and an end. It was only a shadow or copy of the real Narnia, which has always been here and will always be here. Just as our world, England and all, is only a shadow or copy of something in Aslan's real world. You need not mourn over Narnia, Lucy. All of the old Narnia that mattered, all of the dear creatures, have been drawn into the real Narnia through the door. And of course it is different. It's as different as the real thing is from a shadow, or as waking life is from a dream. It's all in Plato. All in Plato. Bless me. What do they teach them at these schools? Take that Narnia pill. Take that Narnia pill. 
<laughs> right. Um, so Lewis here is talking about that uh, Narnia, and not just Narnia, but England and, and all of our world, is just a shadow or copy of something in Aslan or God or you know, Christ's real world. Right. And that this is the shadow or the copy. Just like in The Matrix, um, the world that Neo is living in and he's plugged into is a shadow or a cop. Well, not really. I mean, it's a, it's actually much better than the real world that he's going to, the real world he's going to go into, which is a, shows that this is an inversion of the platonic cave idea, right? Um, but there in his, there's a world outside of that, right? So, and uh, yeah. So anyway, um, now I'm not the only person. Now, we also see this in the Bible too. Right, that this world that we are living in is a shadowy world. Right, which which is weird to say, right? Because this doesn't this doesn't look shadowy, does it? I mean, like this desk doesn't feel shadowy. It's not with natural eyes. That's right. But we actually see. Um, I, I'm going to read a quote here from uh, Douglas Wilson, which will probably uh, be a a, uh, a shock to some people. But he's basically talking about uh, Jesus. Um, give me just a second here. Um, he's talking about Jesus post-resurrection, and it's from his book, How to Exasperate Your Wife. But, um, yeah, here it is. But uh, he's talking about Christ uh, after the resurrection, passing through, like, uh, the wall into the upper room. It's like a story that Christians don't really pay attention to because right. they don't, they don't yeah. really know how to how to deal with it, you know what I mean? But uh, this is from Doug Wilson on his book, How to Exasperate Your Wife. He says, Christ passed through the wall into the upper room, and yet he was able to eat while there. This is a problem for us because it never occurs to us that he passed through the wall because the wall was ghostly and not because Christ's resurrection body was. Then we wonder how a ghost could eat fish, but the problem is not how. But the problem is how the ghostly fish could have satisfied a true man. Wow. Yeah. So it's not just me saying that. It's not just C.S. Lewis saying that. Um, you know, that's even reformed postmillennial covenant uh, covenantal men like Doug Wilson who are saying that as well. Um, so yeah. So there's a, a a grain of truth here in the Matrix films in that there is. A world outside of the cave right and to take the red pill then in reality is to come to accept this reality that there is a world outside of that there is more than than just right matter and that traditional red pill is the reason really a lot of conservative groups have latched onto it like there's a news outlet on uh twitter that i follow that talk that's in their name they talk about the red pill yeah and things like that yeah yeah well it's it's to step out into this world created by God that has order. Right. Right? It's uh, more than the shadow. It's it's stepping into uh, resurrection life like Jesus did, right? Um, he steps outside of the uh, the physical and you, know, you have resurrection. You know, that entire thing, which is fitting for our conversation on the Matrix Resurrections here in just a moment. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you, you have... Uh, that's, that's, that's the metaphysical composition of the world is that there is a world outside of this and that's what it means to take the red pill it means to uh to not be a nominal nominalist you know uh, that's some a movement probably people aren't familiar with but 
this is the way that the world uh, was interpreted throughout much of history until that there was this thing that came along by a man named William of Ockham um, called nominalism. And basically, the nominal, nominalism is this. There is no, um, there is no world of I, the, the, the ideas out there, or, or there's no world of the forms out there. Um, all that there is is the world of matter, right? There are no forms out there participating, you know, in heaven in which the matter participates in. Right. Right. All that's here is the world of the shadow, basically. Um, and that's where materialism really, you know, comes from is, you know, there's nothing here more than the matter that's in front of us. There is no world beyond this. You know, whenever I die, my body goes into the ground and gets eaten by worms, you know, whatever. But that's not how the world was interpreted metaphysically for the majority of history, not even by the pagans. So anyway, so that's the Matrix trilogy, okay? It's dealing with this idea of Plato's cave. Whew, man, this movie, however, ugh, it's just, entirely... Just thinking about it, the title of this new movie makes a lot of sense, given the agenda behind it. Mm. The death of the old Matrix In and then the resurrection of this chaos that yeah. they've got now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, oh. So basically, with this movie is it's almost kind of like a Matrix par- parodying the Matrix. Right. It's like a, a pair laughing at the old and then yeah. glorifying this new it's, sort of. It's like the characters in the yeah. Matrix stepping outside of the old Matrix and laughing at it. Right. You know, and some of that has to do with it's like it's super meta, it's super self-referential. Like there's tons of flashbacks. Tons of those types of and things. And a lot of it's lighthearted and enjoyable at first. and then, The whole first half of it, I think, yeah. is enjoyable. Yeah, honestly. Um, I think the whole first part, half, first half of it is enjoyable. Um, it's the second half that's really just ruins the rest Because they it. try to bait and switch it with the first half is really what they're doing. They, yeah, they, they really do. So, okay. So, basically what's going on there is um, we were introduced to, there's some of it I'm going to leave out. But kind of get to the main plot here. Um, it's super meta. So we're introduced to Tom Anderson again. And this time, um, he's he's a game designer. And guess what game he created? The Matrix. Yep. And so everything, the Matrix is presented as uh, a game that he developed. Right? Like you see it on his desk, the little action mm-hmm. figures yeah, from the little game. little action figures yeah. from the game. You see Trinity like falling and shooting, you know, and you see toys of the Sentinels and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but he's kind of like insane, you know, yeah. he's, he's like losing his mind. He's, he's integrated a lot of his quote unquote story into the video games. And because of that, he's losing touch with reality. Um, he doesn't know what's, what's true and what's fiction anymore. Um, and a lot of that you, you find out is because his story is not just the story. He actually lived it. Right. Um, right. Um, so anyway, but what's, what we find out happens is he has been plugged back into the Matrix. Um, now, how does that happen? Well, hence the title, Resurrections. So uh, Neo has been resurrected. So you thought that he died at the end of Revolution. Surprise! He's been resurrected. Um and the Matrix, there's a new version of the Matrix kind of going on to here. But um, but basically what's happened is him and Trinity both have been resurrected. And they're in these things called resurrection pods. And um, basically what's happened, though, 
is they've been put in these resurrection pods and they've both been plugged back into the matrix. And that's the big picture. Okay. So, but kind of zoom back in here a little bit, but, uh, so you're introduced to him and you know, you've, you've got like there, he's this game designer, right? And he's been working on another game called binary, which is interesting because that becomes a big theme in the movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what happens though is, uh, he sits down with his boss who we find out later is a new iteration of agent Smith. Um, we find out that, hey, Warner Brothers is going to reboot the whole Matrix, uh, and they're going to do it with or without us. Yeah, the jab in there is so funny. Yeah, so that's really funny and super meta because that's actually what happened with this whole movie, yep. which is why I think the whole movie's a parody. Um, I think it's very intentional that the movie is bad. Um, yeah. I think it's very intentional. So anyway, so yeah, so that's what happened. The Warner Brothers was actually going to reboot the whole Matrix series, and they were going to do it with or without the, you know, without 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 the Wachowskis, and so they decided, you know, to take the helm and to you know do it again. And there's a total jab at it in the movie, yeah. you know. Um, and so there's quite a few jabs in there, and there's a whole like jab at just reboot culture as a whole and how we can't just let stories end. You know what I mean? Like, and there's a jab at reboots and all that. So. Super meta, um, overly meta, on the nose at times, but it's it's kind of funny, I think. Um, so anyway, um, moving forward though, um, we have people who are looking for Neo again, like in the first movie. Major nostalgia, um, and you know he runs into this version of Morpheus that he has created. Um, and you know he's trying to free him. You know he's trying to give him the yeah. red pill and the blue pill and. You know, he's convinced that he's losing his mind and that this isn't real, right? And um, so anyway, um, you know, they're shooting up the whole building and, you know, all that whole thing. And, uh, you know, eventually they, they end up uh, getting Neo uh, or, you know, Anderson uh, to a place to where he takes the red pill, right? And so he you know, comes out of the Matrix just like he did in the first major Major nostalgia. That's what the whole movie's about, in some ways, is nostalgia. Um, but, uh, you know, he's there, and uh, he finds out, you know, as he's uh, coming out of his resurrection pod, right, like he did in the first movie, that Trinity is in the one directly across from him, and she's still plugged in. And so they take him, you know, him and the crew that he's with, they take him to a new city called Io, which is like Zion, but it's uh, much more advanced than Zion was. And the reason why is because after the end of the third movie, some of the machines turned against the machines, and there was a war with the machines. Right. And so the machines and uh, the people who were originally a Zion rebuilt a new city that's integrated with, like, AI and, and humanity, and it's called Io, which is really interesting. <laughs> it's, there's mythological characters named Io. Yep. Io is also Zion without the Z and the N. So there's something going on there interesting yeah. oh, with, yeah. the, with the name. Yeah. It's layered with some meaning. Um, anyway, so, um, so you know, they go there and they're walking, you know, uh, Neo around. And he's introduced to an older version of Niobe who was in the original movies, you know, that kind of thing. She's old now. She's like this uh, matriarchal, bitter uh, leader of Io. Uh, Anyway, um, 
so like this whole place though is like a combination of humanity and and like ai you know so like they've they've put like a, a sky there right like a, a kind of makeshift sky because if you remember in the the real world um the war between the machines and the humans scorched the sky you know so they've created like an artificial sky and that's helped them to start growing like vegetables and fruits and things like that there on io which they never could do on zion um so from there um you know they arrest neo because they know that he's going to put the entire city you know in in uh, risk he's going to risk the entire city to try to save trinity so they imprison him you know they bust him out and then they put together this whole plan to go and save trinity so make a long story short that's what they do they they uh, rescue trinity from her resurrection pod she's she takes the you know basically she takes the red pill um she comes out leaves which is interesting because you know the way that uh you know in the the matrix they had put them both in there together yeah um but kept them apart like they gave her a family right yeah like they gave her a family and kids and uh, you know a husband and all that and it's like they couldn't be together because of that like they both desire it's like it's this movie it's like this this desire and longing at a distance from one another you know what i mean um but they can't because they both fear what they would lose like she fears losing her family well later on she takes the red pill which is she doesn't literally take the red pill but you know so we're saying this metaphorically and it involves her stepping out of the false world and leaving her family. Yeah, she takes the poisoned inverted red pill. Yeah, and you know they they're reunited. They're uh, they're you know Neo and Trinity again. Yep. And you know and okay, well, this will take us to the end of the movie. Uh, you know they fight their way through the whole thing and you know all that. Um, but you find out at the end that Neo the one is no longer a one; it's now a two. Right. <laughs> binary right um so like from the from the beginning what you what you see with uh anderson in the beginning his character is going crazy trying to hold on to what was like yeah. what the matrix what matrix was yeah and you have uh trinity's character what is she called in this tiffany tiffany you have her being uh what she after she takes the new red pill what she believes are things that are holding her back yeah like a husband and family and yeah. children and you yeah. see, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and so anyway, so it kind of nostalgia. They're on the top of the building at the end of the movie, and you know they're going to jump, you know, uh, and they're like, are they going to be able to make it? So they jump, they jump, and you know, as they're out in the air, you see Neo start whoa, whoa, whoa you know that yeah. kind of thing, um, and you see Trinity just catches him, and now she's like sharing in the power of the one. Yep, and then you know you you end up finding out in the movie that the reason why they kept neo and her apart in the matrix was because neo was never really the one he always kind of shared in that with trinity you know this kind of thing it i mean it's not saying that he wasn't the one as you're repainting this picture i'm getting furious again yeah so it's it's like basically what the guy the the analyst says in the film is it was always the two of you you know it's like you two got together and it's like you empowered one another right um and so we thought that if we put you in the matrix and kept you separate, that that could kind of neutralize the both of you. And then so, you know, they're empowered at the end. Yeah. Right. And um, we, uh, 
may you know she basically saves Luke Skywalker, last Jedi version of Neo, yeah, um, yeah. who's been deconstructed and he's no longer just the one. He's he shares in it, and then she flies him up out of there. Right, you know, whenever the planes are shooting at him, you have this hero that the past movies have made build Neo, up, build up, come crashing down and being saved by this new female lead. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he looks incredibly weak in the film. So anyway, um, so anyway, long story short, from there, and even just how long it takes him to, uh, to like come to the realization. Yeah. The, of the Matrix and things again. Like, she snaps into it and just starts... Immediately. Immediately, and just starts taking out, like, droves of those Sentinels and things. And Yeah. He, it takes him forever to the point where he's in that sort of little island dojo thing, yeah. and he doesn't even want to fight. Like no. he's Well, so, before we get to that, because I want to talk about this kind of at an overview level, what we liked and didn't like. This is just kind of a really rough retelling of the whole movie. Um, so, after that, you know... Um, Okay, so the end, the ending uh, scene is you've got the analyst sitting in his chair. He's he's that's Neil Patrick Harris, and he's a neo therapist in the movie. But he's actually like the he's kind of like the architect, but he's not the architect. He's like the new guy who's kind of like over the Matrix that kind of thing. Um, Trinity and Neo fly in together, and like she like rips the side off of his house. And she like kicks his jaw off, and you know he's like, "Aren't you supposed to be submissive? Aren't can't he control you? Yeah. You know, like you know, the kind of like, uh, you know, that's it, women were so easy to control yeah. back in the original Matrix. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, now if that didn't give you the whole theme of the movie, yeah. the whole agenda behind it, I don't know what will. Yeah. I mean, that right there okay. was it. So, so uh, basically, they're like, "Yep, you know what." Uh, we're going to remake the, the world now in our image. And so, and then they just fly off together. And that's it. That's the end of the movie. <laughs> they just fly off together, and it's just this. The death of order and the oh. recreation of this new yeah. matrix so, in multiplicity. So let's talk, yeah, so let's talk about it now. Okay, so like. Let's rant about it now, because I'm right, ready. So let's talk about the things that we don't like about it. So it's a big time subversion of the one it's now the like the theme throughout the movie that you see continually with the name of the game uh, that, that uh, Neo's made and even just th- word theme. It's a theme that just keeps coming up throughout the movie is the binary. Right. Right, which is two, you know. It's, uh, you know, in code it's like zeros and ones. You know, yeah, this was the, ma- the new Matrix saying death to the patriarchy well, right off the bat. That's right. Death, death to the one. Death to the one, right. It's now the two. It's the binary now. And so it's... Um, so Trinity is now sharing in a part of the one. She has the same powers that, that Neo has and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So it's totally just deconstructing the, the other films, um, which is just so interesting to me. You know, it's, it's really, really interesting. But that's what it does. It's, it's deconstructing the, the concept of the one. And it, it's, it really just destroys all, all of what they did, honestly. And, um, I, and I like the part uh, where they're trying to get you to – they're trying to sell you on the idea of IO. Like they talk about the previous matrix and the wars. They were only concerned with wars, like the us versus them. Yeah. But now IO is now together. It's like the mixture. That's right. It's a mixture. And what comes from the mixture, they're able to grow strawberries and uh, better food and things. It's just all better in this mixture. Yeah. And it's not just that too, but it's even the theme of integrating in artificial intelligence. Right. Which is a very pertinent thing for us right now. 
right? Because that's something, those are conversations that people are having. You know, you've got people like Elon Musk talking about artificial intelligence right. will surpass us. Um, and so just really int- it's like a theme there is, yes, we should integrate this in. Yeah, it's, it's definitely bringing the mixture. margins into the core and then you get the mixture. Yeah, that's right. Um, you have so, humans and the machines working together to create a new matrix, a new world, and, you know. Okay. So you've got that there, and then you've got the idea of subverting the red pill. Right. Right? Like, subvert, like in the original, like, it's stepping outside into the real world, right? Um, the real world and, and their, uh, their estimation of it. But um, it's, uh, it's like raging against the machine. Which is funny because, you know, Rage Against the Machine musically is a big part of the original films. Which, again, I want to say this too. This film ends. I was going to say, tell, say it. Yeah, tell. this film ends with Trinity and Neo flying off with, with a sound, like a copycat of Rage Against the Machine, but with a woman singing. Right. In the style of Rage Against the Machine. Right. Yep. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, can we get any plainer here? You know, that kind of thing. So, anyway, um, it's just a major subversion. So, okay. But the subversion of the red pill here. Um, it. With the subversion of the red pill, you also have the subversion of the one, right? Um, you have um, Trinity has been, um, she's leaving, stepping outside of, you know, a husband and a family. Like, that's uh, wrong, and that's yep. slavery, right? It's being depicted in that way. And uh, so she can step into empowerment and and liberation and you know that kind of thing so it's a total subversion of the red pill um, right and then also another thing that i really uh really hated oh boy i just blanked on it yeah that, that's that's it really that's i'll have to try to recall it here in a minute but yeah it's it's just a i, I think that really the entire movie was designed to just make fun of all of it. Like, the whole film is a deconstruction, honestly. Right. Like, it's deconstructing not just the the concept of the one and... But of, of gender roles and norms and masculinity and all of that. Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. You, you reminded me. I, you know, I, I, let me say this. I'm not against having strong female women in movies. Right. We, we've talked about this. Like, we talked about this with Wheel of Time. But that's what the ma- the new Matrix kind of makes what, you think. Well, that what they do is they deconstruct the one in order to do it. Right. Like, they make Neo such a... He's like Luke Skywalker from, you know... He's like the, wrestling this fragile masculinity, this yeah. kind of thing that's breaking him, yeah, holding like, on to the past. Yeah, yeah, he's like broken, and he won't defend himself, and, you know, uh, you know, and even whenever he does, it's defensive. It's not really offensive. You know what right. I mean? This it's, once hero of the old, this man yeah. needs a savior, needs somebody to save him yeah, now. Yeah, the one now needs someone to save him. Right. And it's... The resurrected Trinity, uh, which is interesting. That's you know, interesting, right there. That. Yeah, um, it's the resurrected Trinity. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, though, let me say this: I think that the subversion doesn't work as good as they think that it does. Because in order to subvert everything, what is it that they have to end up with at the at the end? A man and a woman, right? <laughs> you know, which is also they have to mask this new chaos and a, a yeah. false image of of order. Yeah, yeah. So you know, here. Um, Here's how they subvert the red pill. Um, it doesn't mean stepping into reality. It means creating your own. Right. That's that's how it's trying to subvert the red pill. And honestly, that's what the Wachowskis have done personally. You know what I mean? Like it's 
as it used to be, uh, was it Larry Wachowski or, you know, now it's Lana, you know, that kind of thing. It's, it's uh, not actually stepping out of the world of slavery and into reality as God has made it, but rather me stepping out of that, what God has made, so that I can now define what things the way that I want to. Right. And that's basically, you know, what Neo and Trinity are going to do at the end of it. He's like, you know, the analyst is like, go ahead, make the world now in your image. Do what you want. I don't care. You know, that kind of thing. And that's what this whole movie's about. Uh, it's it's deconstructing everything. So, yeah. The, the good parts were, you know, some of the meta humor was funny. Um, I thought the whole first half of the movie was good. You know, if first half of the movie, I, I give like an 8 out of 10. I mean, looking back on it now, it's like the first half of the movie was it intentionally good it to bait you, you into the chaos. Yeah. It set you up to think that we're going to have this recovery of Neo and the One. Right. And then and, and then bringing back Trinity and then... Like, that, that totally was enough to keep your butts in the seat to be force-fed the, yeah, the, the agenda. sewage at the end. Yeah, the agenda at the end. Yeah. And so that's what you get at the end. So I like the... So overall, I give the movie like a like a three out of ten or a four out of ten. Like that's how bad. Like honestly, it's hard for me to convey how bad it is. Like you really just need to go watch it. If you got HBO Max, you can watch it there. Like I mean, you saw my reaction to it in real time when I when I saw the the agenda play out at the end. I mean, I was furious. I mean, it was just insane. Once you get these categories in your head and you see what they're doing with it, it yeah. was just insanity. Yeah, it's 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 it was really really interesting, but. Anyway, um, well, we're over an hour already, and so that's about all that we have for today's Chinwag edition. Um, we had a lot more that we could say about all this stuff, but ultimately, at the end of the day, what you need to do is you need to go watch this stuff and, yeah. and look for the patterns that we talked about you know, in Midnight Mass um, and also The Matrix. I would not go spend a dime on The Matrix. <laughs> if I, like, that's my advice to you. I would not go watch it in theaters. Like, If I had HBO Max, I would watch it on there, but I wouldn't go spend a dime on it. Like it's bad. It's really. literally a donation to that agenda, pretty it's much. Really, it's basically all that it is really, at this point. Really bad. Yeah, it's it's not good. So to sum up this episode, it was monsters in the margins and monsters and in the margins. Rant against the machines. And rant against the machines. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I mean, the whole theme here with both of these is multiplicity. Right. As it's it's that's the theme here. It's um, and this glorification of the mixture. The glorification. Jonathan Peugeot calls that the glorification of the outsider. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. It's it's the glorification of the outsider. Like presenting this false, better way. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. But at the end of the day, the true red pill is stepping out into the world as God has created it. Right. You know, that's, um, and so, like, it's like, today we're giving you, we're, we're presenting the red and the blue pill to you. Yeah. You know, it's uh, time to fly. Time to fly. You know, it's, uh, you can... You can the real red pill these days is n refusing to live in the world um, as it currently is, right? As materialistic uh, world where there's nothing more than matter, and not just that, but where we define what is good and evil, like like what they're trying to present you in this movie, yeah, right? That that it's good, um, it's good to uh, degrade the masculine. It's good to uh, to make the feminine almost as like God, right? Um, I mean, that's really what they do. You know, they really they do that. I mean, uh, you see the same construct in in the darkness. I mean, 
you see it's like the flipping the inversion you, know, you have in uh god and his hierarchy that he's built into things and perfect creation and things like that and then you have the darkness that seeks to subvert and invert that they have hierarchies of their own so it's the same sort of structures and pattern that they sort of pervert and twist to their own means yeah Yep, and so, the, I mean, the true red pill is to step out of that world yeah. and to embrace the world as God has created it. There is a cave that you're in, that's for sure, but the puppets and the forms on the, the wall aren't what you think that they are. Right. It's it's the mixtures on the wall. And with this new Matrix, it's like trying to put you back into this new cave. It's actually trying to put you back into the Matrix, honestly. Yep. Um, and so you can take the red pill, and you can come out of that. Uh, out of the world of materialism, out of the world of the glorification of the mixture and um, all of that, and you can come into the world as God created it. And so that's the red pill we all. So have. this is Sword and Staff <laughs> giving you the true red pill you before you the, check out the Matrix. You can you can get the Narnia pill. Take the Narnia pill. Take there the, it is. Take the Narnia pill. Um, and uh, yeah, that's the red pill to rule all red pills. That's the Narnia pill. All right. Well, that's about all that we've got on this week's episode. I know that this was just ranting and raving about movies, but hey. That's what Chinwags are for. That's what Chinwags are That's what we do. That's what we do on Chinwags. And Christmas is just a couple days away now. So, Richie, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And, uh, guys, if you're listening in today to this episode, we want to say Merry Christmas to you as well. We hope that it's a blessed one. We hope that you at least find some giggles and some humor in, in our reviews today. And ultimately, we hope that you go and you know see some of the things that we're talking about here and, and, are, and are able to take some of the things that we do and talk about and, and apply that to your own analysis of, of some of these things. I mean, find our Facebook group. Jump in there and join in the discussions. We talk about this stuff literally 24-7. There's conversations running in there. Literally a lot of conversations. All day long, all, all day. night long. Also, if you want more content, Head on over to our Patreon. You can get these episodes delivered to you faster, and you also get the Sword and Staff Uncut for just $5 a month. You get longer episodes. Usually these episodes have 30 extra minutes of content that we don't release anywhere else. We don't release those on our normal podcasting platforms. We release them only on Patreon. And so for those who are interested in that, head on over to www.patreon.com backslash Sword and Staff Order. Get the Sword and Staff Uncut for just $5 a month. And you can get in on the exclusive conversations that Richie and I are having that we're not having in the public square. Right. So, um, and you get a ton of bonus content too. The higher, the bigger the the uh, tier that you sign up for, the more stuff that you get. We and a lot, lot of mo- a lot more exciting things coming in 2022 to the patron exclusive content in general yeah. and across all of our platforms. Really, we're launching. Uh, our website, uh, adding new content to the YouTube channel, working, continue working on our Weird West Virginia project with Ward. and Yeah, talking about starting a monthly podcast where we talk about the occult. Oh, yeah. Sword and Staff is becoming its own network, network. of podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're, we're talking about that starting this year, at some point this year, I don't know when, but uh, starting a network of podcasts where we, we also take on other other things maybe we'll, maybe we'll start a movie th- a podcast where we review films or something i don't know there we go or maybe we'll just keep those for chinwags I, I don't know but uh we are talking about starting a podcast called the kingdom of the occult where we talk about the occult and we talk about that from a christian perspective 
like what we've done here with some of this stuff today, and and like we have with other things in in the past as well. So we we've been wanting to revisit things like witchcraft, and yeah. which was the first episode we released together. Yeah, Josh is going to be dressed up like uh, Monsignor over there, and I'm going to be dressed up like Alistair Crowley. That's oh, Kingdom oh, of the Occult oh, podcast. Oh, <laughs> oh Lord, uh, but but anyway, yeah. So we're we've got a lot of exciting things coming up, and. Uh, we think that you guys are going to enjoy it. There's yeah. going to be a lot of a lot of funny things, uh, you know, coming in the future. So, um, but anyway, guys, Merry Christmas, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. See you next time. See you then.